Welcome to Pleasant Grove Church, where Reverend Dr. Classy M. Preston is the pastor. A place where the Word of God impacts and transforms your life. Let's listen to a power-packed message already in progress. to shout about. If you can bear witness to God knowing your name, that's something to be happy about. Hallelujah. Oh, yes. Thank you, God. Heavenly Father, thank you for knowing our name. Thank you, God, for creating Pleasant Grove Church. Thank 
Thank you, God, for giving us your favor for 155 years. Thank you, God, for the privilege of worship. And we thank you for your fresh anointing in this sanctuary. We thank you, God, for every element of worship. We thank you for our musicians and our Levites. We thank you for our praise team. We thank you for multimedia. We thank you for our Holy Ghost power. We just thank you, God, for being such an awesome God. And most of all, dear God, I thank you for knowing my name. I thank you, God, that in the midst of all of the world that you know my name. And I thank you, God, for the privilege of hearing your voice. And I bless you, O oh God, for this moment of preaching and teaching. And I ask, dear God, that everything that I say and do will be pleasing unto you. And I pray, dear God, that you will, that you will bind the enemy in the name of Jesus. And that you will give me power as only you can to speak a word of hope to your people. It is in the mighty and precious name of Jesus that I pray. And the church said, Amen. Let the church say, Amen again. I thank God for this powerful season in the life of our church. And I thank God for giving us favor so that we might walk in boldness in pursuing our vision to truly impact the, the kingdom of God. I thank God for our commercial kitchen. I thank God for the Pleasant Grove Family Life Center. I thank God for our sponsorship in the summer food program because I've been asking God for that blessing for a long time now, about 12 years. So I thank God for hearing and answering our cry. I thank God for my 69th birthday. And I thank God. And some people ask, why do you openly tell your age? And I said, because the enemy has tried to kill me several times. And I'm only here by the grace of God. And I know I'm here because God has spared me to do his work and to carry his kingdom forward. So I pray that I live to be 100 as long as God knows my name, I'm well. I pray that everyone under the sound of my voice will have a birthday celebration like the one I saw this week. I hope everybody has that experience of when I stopped, I have a habit, I keep my cards and I read them over and over again so I don't throw them away. So um, what is it, today, Sunday, on Friday night, I was opening my cards and I had gotten to number 98. And I said, God, I have never received this many cards from my church, never, God. Are they trying to tell me something? What's going on, God? And then yesterday, I have more cards. So I just say that I am overwhelmed with joy and love, and I thank you. And I don't want to start crying because I got to get my sermon done. So I just want you to know how much I love you, and you will be hearing from me. And someone had flowers delivered here to the church, but there was no card. 
So if you would just email or text me to let me know who you are, I will personally thank you. If you're wondering if I forgot Nehemiah, no, I have not. Next Sunday is Father's Day, and Pastor Joseph will bring our Father's Day message. And on June 28th, I will preach the closing sermon on Nehemiah. And then we will go into a study in June on spiritual warfare. And uh, we're all living within spiritual warfare. And we need to know how to destroy the enemy in the name of Jesus. Finally, I want you to know that we are putting together our response to George Floyd's murder and what we will do as a church. We have a team that has been pulled together to do this work. And I want you all to know that we will have conversations throughout the church and we will have conversations with our children and youth. We will have conversations with our young adults. We will have conversations with our mature, older adults. We will have conversation so we can share who we are. And one of my desires of the church is that we will get to know each other because there's so many of us who know very little about our past, very little about what we've been through, Kelly, and very little about how did we get here, how did we land here. So I just want you to know that under the anointing of uh, Reverend Dr. Paula Smith-Sawyer, we are moving forward in the name of Jesus. Several people suggested to me that I watch the movie Just Mercy. And in this movie, Jamie Foxx plays Walter McMillan, a man who has been falsely accused of murder. And Michael B. Jordan plays the role of his attorney. Macmillan was on death row for a crime he swore he did not commit, the death of a young white woman. And despite having, listen at this church, 17 witnesses vouching for his whereabouts at the time of the murder, an Alabama jury of 11 white men and one black man convicted Macmillan based on the testimony of an ex-con, <laughs> my, my, my. And the ex-con's name was Ralph Myers. So Stevenson took this case to the airways of 60 Minutes to get exposure. And the summary says that Macmillan's case reopened, ended with a judge named after Robert E. Lee, discarding Myers' admission that he lied under oath in the first trial. So the man who lied on Macmillan was willing to tell the truth, but the judge refused to look at the evidence. So some of us might think that we're in the same corrupt system we've always been in. But you have to really wait until you get midway through the closing credits, Connie, to discover that Sheriff Tate was reelected multiple times. I think somebody said 17 times, even after he was deceitful, dishonest, and refused to do the right thing. And I should mention that this case took place in Monroeville, Alabama, which is less than two hours of my birthplace, Atmore, Alabama. I found this movie to be heart-wrenching, and I found myself sad. Just mercy, God, just mercy. And one of the things that really caught my attention was the man who played the role of Herb who ended up on death row. 
I think what was significant for me that Herb was a Vietnam vet, and he had a serious case, Malik, of PS, PTSD. And Richardson truly had caused the death of a young girl when a bomb he planted on her porch exploded. And unlike Macmillan, Richardson is guilty of the crime and believes that he belongs on death row. And he was unable to get help for the mental issues he had before he committed his crime. He went off to serve his country and he came back with issues, mental issues, mental illness, you might say. But he lives in a society, and we do too, where mental health is not always a priority. And so Rob Morgan shades in a small part to tell us a little bit more about this character. And what we learned about Herb is that he was possessed by demons, which impacted the, uh, the work of his brain, and he heard voices that were not even there. And so some were thinking that wouldn't Herb have some mercy? Was there any mercy for him at all? And all of us know the end when Herb was taken into the room, shaved, and he was electrocuted for a murder that he truly did commit. But also, we understand that Herb was in the state he was in because we did not reach out to him to address his issues. And that's some of the same things that we have going on right now. After watching this movie, I pondered the role of the church in the fight for justice for all. And I asked myself, what is our duty as disciples of Jesus Christ? Did Jesus care about the marginalized? There are some people who say that that should be a separation of state and church. And I understand that argument. But my question is, what is the church supposed to do as a representative for Jesus Christ? Did Jesus care about those who face discrimination? Did Jesus care about the people who were excluded and, 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 and mistreated? Did Jesus speak of wicked systems with the authorities? And did Jesus call people out when they were wrong for being uh, evil and stealing? And the weight of the discussion is mentally, emotionally, and it's psychological, psychologically draining. Therefore, one of the things that I plan to ask our church to do is come together with me and tell me what would you do as the church? What do you think our response should be? Because it's time for us to stand up for justice. And it's time for us to uh, get over our silence and it's time for us to raise our voices and bring attention to the things that are being done in the evil world where we live. So you can expect to hear from me again about that. Our text tells us, and I'm reading from the Message Bible right now, he got up, ate and drank his fill, and he set out. And nourished by that meal, he walked 40 days and 40 nights all the way to the mountain of God to whore it. And when he got there, he crawled into a cave and went to sleep. I named my sermon, Sometimes You Find Yourself in a Cave, because as a pastor, a counselor, and a person who has studied psychology, I understand caves. There are different types of caves. 
some caves are for burial, some caves are for hiding, and some caves are used for military issues. If you go back and you look at the Bible, caves are mentioned throughout the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament. And if you're wondering why we mention Lazarus in the book of John, because if you read it closely, Minister Derek, Lazarus was in a cave. But when God called him out of the cave, he stepped out of the cave in the name of Jesus. So I believe that what God is saying to the church right now is that we need to come out of our caves. I've been a pastor here for 22 years, and there are people who have been in the same cave of depression since I got here. There are people who are in the same caves of spiritual abuse, physical abuse. There are still people among us who live in caves of poverty. We have a very diverse church. We have people in our congregation who are wealthy, and we have people in our congregation who are poor. We have people in our congregation who work four jobs between two spouses, and they still cannot pay $1,100 a month in rent, buy food, and eat. And when I thought about these details, I realized that as a church, we need to also talk about that. What is the right thing to do? But what caught my attention about this text, and as we enter, that we discover that Elijah is on the run. He has been successful, Connie, in destroying false gods. He's been successful in confronting evil. But now he is on the run because Jezebel wants to kill him. And church, I need to tell you that all of us will have a Jezebel experience. I'm here to tell you that if it hasn't come yet, it will come. Because it doesn't matter how smart you are, how cute you are, and where you live, there are some Jezebels who want to destroy you, and they will do anything necessary to make it so. But Elijah is on the run because He's just tired. He's exhausted. You ever been tired and exhausted and weary? And you just say, I can't take it anymore. I'm not going back. I know my supervisor hates me. I can tell the way he looks at me. I know my supervisor doesn't appreciate me. I know I get more work than anybody else. I know I do more than my fair share. I'm just going to stay home and be unemployed. But you got to look at Elijah. And Elijah was in a cave. Elijah, see, prophets get tired. Pastors get tired. Servants get tired. All of God's people get tired, but it's what we do when we're tired that matters. We don't need to take drugs and drink alcohol and get high. We don't need to escape into deceitful activity. We need to learn how to call on the name of the Lord. And that's another thing that we need to talk about and stop pretending that mental illness does not exist. I grew up in the South, and I grew up, they would not say that Junior had some health issues, but Junior was just a little different. That's something, di what, he's just a little different? He doesn't speak to you in the morning, and he's talking to himself, and that's what you're going to say is Junior is just a little different? All of us are a little different. And it's time for us to have healthy discussions about our mental health. The brain is an organ that functions, that needs attention and depression or a major depressive disorder is a common and serious medical illness that negatively affects how you feel, the way you think, and how you act. Fortunately, it is also treatable. Depression 
causes feelings of sadness or a loss of interest in activities once enjoyed. It can lead to a variety of emotional and physical problems and can decrease a person's ability to function at work and at home. Many are clinically depressed and have not addressed the fact. Depression symptoms can waver from mild to severe. Depression feels like sadness or having a depressed mood. Have you ever been around somebody who hasn't smiled in a year? They never, nothing ever makes them happy. There's a loss of interest or pleasure in activities. Changes in appetite, weight loss or gain are all signs of depression. Trouble sleeping, eating too much. Sometimes people who are in a cave of depression overeat. They overeat because they are feeding themselves food for satisfaction, but the food does not give them the satisfaction that they need. Sometimes depression will last two weeks, it's short term, but there are people who are clinically depressed all of their lives. Depression affects an estimated one in 15 adults in any given year. And one in six people, or 16.6%, will experience depression at some time in their lives. Now depression is different from grieving because when we grieve the death of a loved one or grieve the loss of a job or grieve the end of a relationship, those feelings finally go away or they come back occasionally. But being sad is not the same as having depression. The grieving process is natural, but depression is not. And I say all of this to say that it's time for us to not only look at ourselves spiritually and physically, but we also need to ask ourselves, am I healthy mentally? Am I talking about the issues that really impact my life? Am I really opening up my suitcase to show the stuff that I need to deal with? Sometimes the issues of life are like women in their purses. Have you ever known a woman clean out her purse, but not throw anything away? and all you do is put the same old stuff back in the purse. I've also known some sisters who not only put everything back in the purse, but they'll go out and buy a larger purse and put more stuff in it. So it's time for us, as my grandmama would say, to clean out our pocketbooks because sometimes our pocketbooks are our caves and we need to understand that there's freedom in Jesus. I am definitely included in that number of women who clean out your purse and you put all right back in. This was the case for Elijah the prophet. And sometimes we found ourselves in the same predicament as Elijah. He was tired, weary, discouraged, and filled with despair. But if you could just peep in into the spiritual realm, what we learn from this text is that God always knows where we are. We will discover that God is always doing something with us. And if there were just to believe God when he says he's faithful, we would have overcome and we will be victorious. Oh, if we could just taste and see how God really loves us. And if we would be strong enough to say the devil is a liar. I'm going to survive COVID-19. The devil is a liar. I'm going to survive unemployment. The devil is a liar. God is going to answer me and rescue me. The cave you fear to enter holds the treasures that you seek. Think about that. Sometimes God wants us to go into a cave so that we can get spiritual nourishment for ourselves. Everything we need to deal with, whatever the devil throws at us, God will empower us to overcome. We just sometimes have to go through a cave 
experience. Some of the people who love the church more are people who have cave experiences and they realize that the church will come to your rescue and that's our job and assignment from Jesus Christ. In our text, Elijah finds himself in a tough spot. We see that he was at a very low point in his life. Ever, anybody, Sister Sandra, ever been low in your life? Have you ever had a moment and you say, well, I'm in the praise team. I'm supposed to be happy all the time and lift other people up. I'm supposed to be the minister of music and you're gonna tell me, enemy, that I'm gonna have a bad day? It doesn't matter what you do in the life of the church, all of us will have a bad day because we are human. The Bible declares that the queen of the land was a lady named Jezebel. She wasn't a lady at all. But we can also agree that she was the queen. But it also teaches us that every Jezebel who has your name on their list can be handled by God. Elijah was in a depressive, suicidal condition because Jezebel was more than a little bit upset. God's people, I'm here to tell you that God will fight your battle with your Jezebel because as Malik told us earlier, God knows my name, hallelujah. And isn't it powerful to be able to say, God knows my name, therefore God can destroy Jezebel in the name of Jesus. And Elijah said, I'm tired now. I have killed 450 of the prophets. She's killed 450 of the prophets. And then now he was angry. He said, I'm overnourished. I'm undernourished. Your people have thrown away your covenant. Sometimes I can identify that. Your people, God, have thrown away your covenant. They don't want to know what you said because if I tell them what you said, you got to do it. So they'll just throw it away. And if they don't ever hear it, they think they're set free. The church ought to say, amen. So the Bible says he fled into the wilderness sat under a Jupiter tree and said in despair, Lord, I've had it. I can't take it anymore. You ever been in a church meeting and you leave to go home and say, what? These are church folk, yeah. I mean, you look and say, I don't have to do this. I, I don't have to do this, but yes, you do in the name of Jesus because Jezebel's come to church. You think just because we're here, Jezebel doesn't show up? One Sunday, a woman, strange woman, shows up in our church, and she says to me, I came over here to take care of you. And I said, who are you? And she said, the Lord sent me to take care of you. I said, that's not the message that I'm getting from God right now. So I strongly suggest that you get whatever you came with and you take it back because I don't need your protection. I got the Lord looking after me. So you need to be clear when you feel a Jezebel spirit, and you need to speak authority in the name of Jesus. Because a Jezebel will get jealous because you can sing and they have no voice at all, and will begin to critique your spiritual gifts in the name of Jesus. I love... <laughs> you preach so hard. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. Don't let a Jezebel give you advice. Don't ever ask a Jezebel how you look or how you sound. Don't ever do that. You need to get your feedback from glory. You need to talk to God and you need to let God know what you need to do. I love this text. Lord, I be, I, I, I've done my best. 
I've done all you asked me to do. I paid my tithe. I loved those who didn't love me. I tolerated those who ignored me. I even had to be nice to the people who turned their nose up to me. I've done everything, Lord, that you told me to do, and I'm just tired, and I'm just going to go and die. But isn't God good? Isn't God good that at the time that Elijah said, I can't take it anymore, and Sister Benita, he had gone into the cave and he was ready to, to give up. But the word of God says that God dispatched an angel from glory and the angel came down and left bread and water for Elijah. Isn't the Lord good when you're in your cave and you don't think you can do it anymore? You're in your cave and you don't think that you don't even want to get out of the cave, but the Lord will send you bread and water and have the angel nourish you to get up and have a little, as my Uncle Peewee would say, have a little something to eat. And then if the first angel wasn't good enough, the word of God says is that the Lord sent a second angel. God sent, I said, church, a second angel. So just in case that angel didn't do everything he was supposed to do, the Lord sent a second angel to follow up to be sure that the job is well done. Oh, but if you look around at verse number 10, the word of God says that the Lord descended from heaven himself. Have you ever had a personal encounter with God? Have you ever had a moment in your life when God calls your name? Have you ever had a moment when God calls your name and you know that I wish I had a witness here that everybody knows that God called your name and you had the blessed assurance that, Lord, you know where I am. Lord, you know what, what's happening to me. Lord, you know I've been ridiculed. And Lord, you know I've been discriminated against. And Lord, you know that oppression is alive and well. Lord, you know that racism is alive and well. Lord, you know that this brown skin is painful some days, oh God. Lord, you know that I don't know how much I can take, oh God. I don't know how much longer I can do this. But the Lord showed up. The Lord showed up. The Lord, I said, showed up. And the Lord raised the question, why are you here, Elijah? Malik, why are you here? Benita, why are you here? Derek, why are you here? James, why are you here? Al, why are you here? Why are you here? Why are you here, Sandra? Why are you here, Connie? Why are you here, Kelly? Why are you in a state of depression when I'm still Almighty God? Why are you hiding in a cave and not worshiping me? Why are you hiding in a cave and not serving my people? Why are you hiding in a cave refusing to get yourself together? And I pray today that all of us hear the voice of God. And I pray that you will look at Elijah and realize that when Elijah heard the voice of Almighty God, he got up and he went back to work in the name of Jesus. He got up and he realized that if God can raise me up and know where I am, then I can go out again and serve Almighty God. 
So we ought to get out of our caves today because God is still powerful. God is still the only authority in the world. God is the one who knows where we are at all times. In Jeremiah chapter 29, the prophet says, I know, God says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and plans to bless you and not harm you. Plans to seek you and not only seek you, but to find you with my whole heart. Then I will be found and then I will bring you back from captivity. Then I will bring you out of your distresses. Slavery will not always be around. Oppression will not always be around. And although we might be oppressed here, we're going to a higher place where there is no oppression, where there is no racial discourse, where there is no black and white and where there is no colored signs on the bathroom and white over here. We're going to a place where we shall worship God all day long and we'll be able to say holy, 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 blessed be the name. Oh, I, had, I wish I had some worshipers today who realize that this house is only temporary and it's not where we're going to live forever. God knows our name. The Lord knows where we are. I love the passage in Isaiah. Well, the prophet raises the question of God does. Do you not know? Have you not heard that the Lord is an everlasting God? Let me ask you again. Have you heard? Do you not know? It says he will not grow weary or tired. God doesn't need vitamin B. God doesn't need iron tablets. God doesn't need B12. God doesn't need calcium. And God doesn't need potassium that I take every day. God doesn't need all these minerals because God is never weary. And he gives strength to the weary. And he increases the power of the weak. And the word in Isaiah says that even youth grow tired and weary. And young men stumble and fall. But those, but those, but those, he said, but those, he said, but those who hope in the Lord. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Will renew their strength. And they're going to soar on eagle's wings. Go on the internet. Take a look at some eagle wings. And you will begin to see how the Lord is going to take you higher and higher and higher. They will run and not get weary. I said they will run and not get weary. And the word says that they will walk and not be faint. That they will run and not get weary. And they will walk.
dear God, right now for the people who are in caves, caves of oppression, unemployment, health issues, caves of being lost with no salvation. And I ask right now in the name of Jesus that you give us the same blessing that you gave Elijah. Show up, oh God, and ask us, what are you doing here? We love you, Lord. We magnify your name, and we will forever give you all glory, all honor, and all praise. And God's people said, amen. Praise the Lord.